What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Skidoring is a wonderful sport where you take cross-country skis uh, and then tie yourself to a dog, preferably a husky or something that likes to pull. And then you fly across the snow, uh, both with, with exercising your dog at the same time as you are getting turbocharged down the slopes. Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. All right, guys, we have a super fun episode for you today. Joining us as our tour guide is Tess O'Connor, who is from the UP, the Upper Peninsula, and more specifically, the Keweenaw Peninsula of Michigan. She grew up in this region and is taking us on a trip there today. (laughs) And let me tell you what, this is a fun episode. There are surprises in here, special things in this region that will blow your mind. You can hear my mind being blown on the show. (laughs) And they will make you want to go to Michigan like tomorrow. Um, No matter when you listen to this, because this region has fun things to do all year long, Uh, whether you like outdoor adventure or geology or history or beauty, landscapes, people, food, all the things. Um, In fact, I think it demands a summer and a winter trip. So get ready to take notes and plan the trip you never knew you needed to the Keweenaw Peninsula of Michigan. Um, And this might be the last of the backyard adventures for a minute because in other news, as you know, uh, things are finally starting to take a turn for the better with this pandemic. More and more people are getting vaccinated, which is the number one thing that the travel industry needs to open back up. And two pieces of good news for you on the personal front that I want to share with you. Uh, One, your girl is a few days away from getting my second dose of the vaccine, which is very exciting. And um, two, I bought a plane ticket as one does. Um, I have not been on a plane since March 9th, 2020. I chose not to fly last year. I recently wrote a blog post about the personal decision that I made to withhold from flying until I'm vaccinated, mostly because I felt it was my responsibility as a leader in the travel industry to just wait. Um, But that was my personal decision. That does not come with judgment. It's my personal decision. If you want to read the blog post, it is on travelingjackie.com. But the point is, I'm now getting my vaccine and in a few weeks, I'm going to Baja for a month. (laughs) And I may take you with me and do a podcast from Mexico. I'm not sure yet. Um, Everything is kind of day by day for me right now, but I'm looking forward to shifting back to international travel as a focus here soon. So, and on that note, I have some exciting news about group trips. First of all, Croatia did just reopen to U.S. travelers, and we know that regulations can change anytime, of course, but this is an important detail, (laughs) Um, and we are all systems go with our two bike and boat trips that we have planned in Croatia for this October, and we are doing two, not one, but 
two Patagonia trips this fall. They are launching later this month. You can save the date for mid-November-ish into December. That's when the two trips will be taking place. And um, if you are on my email list, you are going to be getting more details about that. You do need to be on the email list if you want to be notified when launches and fun things happen. So sign up at the link in the show notes or at jumppodcast.com or anywhere on the travelingjackie.com website. Just get on the list if you want to be informed because that is where the details come. And I'm hoping to do a Zoom Q&A later this month to present and go through those two itineraries for Patagonia um, with you, with anybody who's interested, and, and then take some questions about Patagonia and do my best to answer whatever I can for you guys. So if you are interested in joining me for a Patagonia Q&A and learning about those itineraries that I have for later this year, which both contain new elements that I have not done before in group trips, um, make sure you get on that email list so you can receive the invite link to the Zoom Q&A. Okay. PSA over. I'm really excited to get to do this new road trip to Michigan with you guys. It's just so good. This episode is just so good. Tess does a fabulous job as our tour guide and guess what? She's a listener just like you. She responded to a question that I put on my Instagram last fall about what adventures you guys are getting up to in your own backyards. And she brought up this Michigan adventure paradise and was kind enough to lend her time to us today to take us there. So let's go. This episode is sponsored by Oboe's Footwear, and it is my turn to tell a little story about one of my favorite pairs of Oboe's. I took a road trip to Moab over New Year's just this year, and believe it or not, it was colder in the desert than it was back home in Montana that week. And I really wished I had a pair of snow hiking boots, like tall boots that were super warm and waterproof with good tread that I could hike in, which somehow even living in Montana, I've never had boots like this. But one day that week in Utah, as we were hiking in Arches National Park, we passed a few people on the trail and one of the girl's boots caught my eye as exactly what I was thinking about. And so I asked her about them and lo and behold, they were oboes. (laughs) She was so excited to show them off and show me how they zip down the side and are super warm. She totally loved them and happily recommended them. So I got a pair of my own. They are called the Sapphire Insulated 8-inch Boots. Um, I got them in the tan color and I am so happy with them. I wore them almost exclusively for the rest of the winter. They have super great tread. They are very easy to zip on and off. In fact, they're still tied in the original, not that they came with because I haven't had to mess with the laces at all, which I love. These stand the cold of Bozeman, even watching hockey in a cold rink for an hour. Plus you can easily hike in them. I'm just so happy to finally have a warm waterproof treaded, and I must add super cute pair of winter boots. So yay oboes. Like I said, these are called the Women's Sapphire 8-inch Insulated Boots. I have them in tan. Highly recommended. The closest version of these for men would be the Bridger 8-inch Insulated. And you can find them both and more at obosfootwear.com. Tess, welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm so happy that you are here with me today. How are you? I am doing great, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um... Where where are you? Where where am I talking to you today? Sure, great question. So currently, I am living in the Twin Cities over in Minnesota. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um. So this is where you are now, and where you are from is 
the Keweenaw Peninsula of Michigan. So yeah, that is where I grew up. I spent all of my formative years up in that region. Okay. Super fun. I am excited to get to know that region. Um, I was thinking this morning, I cannot remember if I've even been to Michigan. Like, I don't think that I have. <laughs> maybe flying into Detroit or something. I seem to remember like... Or maybe it was Ann Arbor. I don't know. But um, I don't really count airports. So this is going to be fun. Um, and I have had some requests specifically from some of my listeners out there to do something in the Midwest. So... Um, this sounds pretty off the beaten path. So I want to start by thanking you for for speaking up because I actually... This was like back in October <laughs> when mm-hmm. I, I put out some something on Instagram that was about these backyard adventure episodes. And, and you were like, Hey, I've got this one for... you know, I, I have this region in Michigan. And I'm like, huh, that, that sounds really interesting. And now it's April <laughs> and we're finally getting around to talking about this. So... Um, but thank you for speaking up because so often I, I mean, you guys, my listeners are like the magic here. And so I'm really happy that you, uh, you volunteered to be here. I know it's scary. It's a big deal. You're coming on a podcast, like, but I think it's wonderful. And, um, I'm honored that you, um, that you want to share your, your home, your home with, with the rest of us today. So thank you. Yeah, thank you too. And it's going to be really exciting. Like I am thrilled to be here and talk about this. And I agree with you, airports do not count when it comes to travel. <laughs> no. And even in Michigan, Michigan's a weird state because you got two halves for it. And I literally grew up um, paying attention to things like advertisement for cell phone services, you know, when they do like the coverage map or whatnot, mm-hmm. because often enough, <laughs> they will forget to put the upper peninsula of Michigan on the map. Stop it. I am not what? kidding at all. <laughs> so, so to the point of, oh man, I think this was about a year or two ago, Mountain Dew did a regional like release. They did a bunch of like custom art for each state. It was like Dew Nation or something. Yeah. And they made my part of Michigan, Wisconsin. Oh. To the point where Upper Peninsula Michigan spoke up and we actually got a custom Mountain Dew bottle as an apology from them. So they did their part. They apologized. But it was just like the quintessential, like this is a region (laughs) in the country that no one knows about. So I am super excited to share it with you guys today and give you a little bit of a glimpse into what I will uh, just consider one of the best kept secrets in the Midwest. I love it. I'm so excited. And um, I, I would have boycotted Mountain Dew over that if I were you. So like, I'm, I'm with you there. That's so funny. Um, so on, so here's one thing I do know about Michigan is the hand. Like everybody shows you the hand. Okay. When I, I'm from Michigan and they hold up their hand and they, they point to somewhere on their hand that they're from. Yeah. Yeah. So where, where are you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, it is the two hand formation. Uh, you take your left hand and put it horizontal, and then you take your right hand and you do the lower half of the state vertically. And then if you take a look at where your thumb is uh, on your left hand for that horizontal one, and you wiggle your thumb up and down, I am in that region around <laughs> where your knuckle is to to the tip of your fingernail. So that's okay. the area that I grew up in. Um, one of the things that I love is, you know, all those, oh, maybe you don't have them out West as much, but in the Midwest, it's pretty often you'll see like a Lake Superior sticker. And what I love about the Lake Superior sticker is it actually outlines my whole hometown region. So it's like, oh, unintentionally, everyone's just highlighting my part of the state. Right. Okay. So you are the, the thumb. I love this because I actually was 
before I looked at the map just to see if I could do it with my hands, I was doing uh-huh. what you were telling me. And I actually, I did it a little bit backwards. Then I looked at the map. I'm like, okay, I totally get it now. So the left, my left hand is actually facing me and my left yeah. thumb is where your peninsula is. And then like my left wrist is like Duluth. <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> yeah. to me. So, yeah. okay. And then you just like jut out into Lake Superior there. You are way North. Yeah. Yeah. You're way nearly north. in Canada. Okay. <laughs> wow. Cool. Um, right away, as we get started on this, let's share with everybody this. Uh, let's see. I'm going to put this in the show notes because Tess has created a... What, you had this before. So this is like the mm-hmm. way that you do things. The Google map thing. Will you, ex- will you explain that? And then as, as you guys listen to this, just know that this link right here is in the show notes. So click on it because you're going to be able to follow along as we, as we take this adventure. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big things I love about Google Maps is that you can save individual maps. So the one that Jackie's sharing today is the one I have for Keweenaw Adventures, I think is what I named that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I do is, you know, listening to your podcast, Jackie, and to other ones, and then watching Netflix documentaries and whatnot, you always run upon these regions where you're like, that is a really cool place that I never want to forget about because at some point I'm going to travel to that region. And so what I do is I'll literally take out my phone, find that cool place or that cool thing uh, that I just heard about, and I will save it to that map. So that way, you know, a few years later when I'm like, oh, I'm actually going to travel to this place and I remember hearing about something cool, I've got all those things bookmarked on a map. So it's it has that visual element and mm-hmm. I can see everything as it correlates to each other. So I love planning road trips and I'll do this with every road trip that I do where I'll have that map kind of prepped a year ahead of time. And then once those dates actually start rolling around, um, it it does an awesome job of giving you some anchor points within your travel, but also allowing for serendipitous journeys. So I am a huge fan of these Google Maps. Cool. Um, I, As I was just telling you before we hit record, I've never really gotten into the Google Maps because I have the iPhone and like mm-hmm. Apple. Actually, I'm a huge fan of Maps Me, Maps.me, um, mm-hmm. just because of, you know, it's like you can, I don't know, use it off, gr- off grid and all of that. I think you can do that with Google too. But this is really rad because everybody can use Google Maps. Um, and with this link, you can see all these places that Tess has already marked on here. Um, and so, which is even better because you have the secret spots from the local. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yay. All right. So welcome to the Keweenaw Peninsula. Where are we going to start? Okay. Great question. Um, Let me start by just telling you a little bit about this region and why it's important. Perfect. Uh, So the Keweenaw Peninsula also has a different name that goes by, which uh, you'll hear the locals say it's called the Copper Country. And the reason for this is 7,000 years ago, this area, even uh, with the Native American population, used to dig up out of the ground copper. There's an immense amount of copper here. So like back back in the day, the Menominee, the Ojibwe, and the Winnebago would use this region to help find the metal base they need in order to create the tools that they needed and jewelry and whatnot. Um, Cool. From there, coming into more modern day, you have the colonization. And then uh, in 1845, mining industry really started taking off uh, from uh, the more United States perspective and really was a huge attraction for immigrant communities. Like this is a copper boom. Like you think of the gold rush in Alaska, there was Mm -hmm. a copper rush in this part of the Midwest. Okay. 
And so like Irish, Cornish, French, Canadian, German, and then a ton of Swedes and Finns and Danes and Norwegians came here too. Um, Once the copper industry kind of started petering out a little bit, some of the main population that stayed was uh, mostly the Finnish culture. So if you actually take a look at the United States census for ethnicities, (laughs) <laughs> the Cuban Peninsula region is just one old big section of Finnish culture. There's a lot of <laughs> blonde, blue-eyed people here, and I am not one of them. I'm very no. out compared to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, but um, with that history, it brought it. Obviously, there's a lot of history that happens in this area, and then there's also um, the the results to the more modern day side of things because because of the copper boom. Um, a major engineering university in Michigan Tech showed up to help support the different mining industries. And this really started attracting younger generations. And actually, my father came to Michigan Tech to study uh, metallurgy when I was a kid. So that's how I ended up in this region. And so there's this great entanglement here of history and outdoorsy adventure that I just really love. And so as we go through um, the different areas and regions I want to focus on today, uh, you're going to kind of notice it's a little bit of a tango between those two things. And um, kind of to sum it up, there's a Finnish word. And I mentioned there'd be a few words in here that are a a little bit off the beaten path, if you Mm -hmm. would. But the the Finnish word that really sums up what I think of for the Kuna Peninsula is the word sisu. S-I-S-U, a great four-letter word. I actually uh, know that one. Do you? Oh, I yeah. do. Yeah. But I, I and people get it tattooed on them all the time. Yeah. I named my dog Sisu. So <gasps> really? Oh, that's fun. Yeah. It's, it's how I uh, figure out the Finlanders and if they're around wherever I am. But um, for your listeners who aren't familiar, it's it's summarized as uh, strength, determination, guts, and tenacity. Okay. I heard it as grit. Which is also like, yeah, I mean, that's, I love that. It's a, that's a fun word, but it's definitely like cultural, you know, like the people from the Midwest, the Finns, they're the ones who, who get it tattooed on their arms. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. You got it. So that, that word, just keep that in your mind as we start talking through this region, because I think it does a good job of just giving um, that, that undertone of what to expect when you explore the Q&A. And I yeah. Four different regions that I'm here to talk about today, and this is kind of a combination of uh, summer and winter and a little bit of fall. Uh, So I can start us off with the first region as we're going through. Perfect. Cool. This is exciting. Yeah. Well, first of all, hold on. Let's let's talk about how you get there first, because you have to. Yeah. How how do you get there? Like, what would be? um, Where are people going on a road trip to go to the Keweenaw Peninsula? Like, where? How? Yeah. How do you get here and and what's a good range to be in to get here? Um, So we do have an airport, woohoo, very exciting, uh, (laughs) up in um, Hancock, Michigan. So you can travel directly in. The flights are very limited. So it's only like two or three flights a day, Mm -hmm. like to the point that people don't really show up until like 10 minutes to the flight because there's literally only one gate. (laughs) (laughs) But but that uh, airport does go to Chicago. And so you can get there pretty easily from anywhere within the U.S. It would just be hopping with uh, one layover to get to uh, the Houghton, Keweenaw region. Okay. Um, outside of that, like I live in Minneapolis. We are about seven hours away. 
and then if you think of Chicago land, you're probably about eight hours, depending on what part of the city that you're in. Uh, okay. And the, the funny thing about that is those two major city areas are still closer for me than Detroit is downstate. So mm-hmm. it's, it's easier to get to this region of Michigan if you are like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, and uh, that Illinois, Indiana region. So if you want a road trip, that's a great way to go. Uh, otherwise, I do think the airport and the facilities there are pretty great for, for being able to get off the beaten path. Great. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, and that actually goes into the first place I want to highlight here today. Um, so one of the, the weird things that I did not think about when I was a kid is the fact that my hometown area is actually a gateway to a national park. Oh. So uh, with that, okay. the, the national park that we have is Aya Royal National Park. So if you look ah. at Lake Superior... Yeah. You've got that little island jutting out a little. It's closer to Canada than it is to the Keweenaw. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. 40 miles off of the Canadian coast and 80 miles off the tip of the, the Keweenaw Peninsula. But we got it for some reason, which I'm totally fine with. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so with that, our area, the, the lowest part of the Keweenaw Peninsula in Houghton, Michigan, is actually where the ranger station is located. Uh, and the ship that can, one of the ships that can take you to, uh, I Royal. So, um, when we talk about how do you get to this area of Michigan and the Keweenaw, um, it is a little tough, but I think that is one of the, the nice things about it is that if you are looking for a region, the United States, and I'm sure many people are with COVID right now, just because a lot of different, uh, national parks have become extremely popular, uh, I Royal National Park is the least visited national park in the lower 48. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. So they only see a little under 26,000 visitors annually. Wow. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. It's nothing. What can it you is- do there? Oh, several things. Uh, I, I have a whole list of them. Oh, yay. So, okay. So um, the season is April to October. And really the big reason about that is uh, you travel by boat or by plane to get there. So if you've ever heard the story that Edmund Fitzgerald and the Gales in November, it is like that on the water. So the season <laughs> only goes from <laughs> April to October. So the water's a little less choppy during that time and the lake isn't covered in ice. But if you go during that time period, um, the activities are awesome for those who are very outdoorsy amongst us. Uh, for instance, a big thing and easy thing to do there is backpacking and camping. And it's very rugged. Um, you, you do most of your travel, well, actually all your travel, either by foot or by watercraft since it's an island. And one thing to note is you do need to get your permits for camping. So definitely take a look at the National Park website just to make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's when it comes mm-hmm. to all that. Um, and that's probably the most foundational thing to do at Iowa Royal. And that's what I grew up doing as a kid. Like literally my earliest memory, which is probably about four or five years old, is hiking through uh, I Royal National Park with my parents, and I still have the scars on my knees to prove that. <laughs> but Aww. it is magical to say the least mm. because of just the size of the island, the sunrise, the sunset, and some of the other things that you could take advantage of. And my friends and family um, would do this too. Is it's actually awesome for scuba diving as long as you're Whoa. okay with 40 degree water. Oh my gosh. I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness. That's like a full body 
wetsuit and or dry yeah. suit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My goodness. Exactly. But with that, um, if you if you're someone who really likes shipwrecks around the island specifically, like within a good region uh, of the actual national park, there are 10 shipwrecks on the national register. And there's a, a charter company called iRoyal Charters who can help you get set up to be able to do those excursions. And because the Lake Superior is such a clear lake, like it doesn't have the muddy sediment that a lot of lakes do, um, you can do a lot of pretty amazing exploring from a scuba diving perspective. So do they do scuba diving tours out there or do you have to be certified? Like, do you have to bring your own... From my knowledge, you have to be certified, but I would check with the charters company to see mm-hmm. what's the latest that's changed with that one. Okay. Yeah. Smart. Totally. Wow. Okay. This is so interesting. Yeah. Well, Already. <laughs> speaking of the shipwrecks, um, so getting there, well, let me say one thing first. If, if scuba diving is not your deal, um, you can bring your own stuff for fishing and kayaking and the state park does have guided tours too. Okay. Um, on one side of the island, they do have some historic like lodges, which when you've been backpacking there seems totally out of place as far as like, where did this constructed building come from? That's <laughs> right. just weird. But um, it's it's a fascinating find to be able to go from one to the end of the island to the next and experience these historic lodges. Um, and there are guided tours along the island too. So you can get a little bit more of that full immersion experience. It's so pretty. I'm I'm on your maps and I'm or well, I'm guess I'm I'm on the Google Maps and I'm looking at the photos and it's so pretty. It's yeah. so pretty. It's just a full forest, basically. It oh, is. There's a tent. How fun. <laughs> the yeah. moose? Wait, what? Oh yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. There's a lot of wildlife out there on the island. Let's talk about the moose. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of the the weirdest like um biospheres that they have. Uh that I don't know. It, it it's like following the stock market or something. I just find it completely fascinating. But um the National Park Service is trying to balance out the moose population and the wolf population. And for Whoa. some reason, Minnesota is very interested in this because I hear it on public radio all the time. But um what what happens is they'll get out of balance and so the moose will start taking over and the wolves will die out or the wolves will get too populous and the moose will die out. And so this is something that's just kind of been an ongoing thing. And I remember as a small child, you'll notice a lot of small child stories here, but looking up in the sky and seeing a helicopter with a cable that led to a sling where a um, tranquilized moose no. was hanging from it <laughs> in order to oh get it gosh. to the island. And if you if you like Google this, you will find the pictures because it's one of those things where I'm like, I remember this happening. And then it got confirmation that, yes, yes, this is how they did transport moose to the island. Oh my so, gosh. You can see moose and wolves there pretty regularly. Um, and obviously it depends on where they are in that balance between the two. But they uh, are very diligent of being very respectful of their populations, both in the tracking sense and then also teaching visitors how to interact with them. Well, that's good. Um, I, man, that's crazy. It's crazy to me that you have wolves on this island. That is, that is kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you think of it, um, this is a natural thing too, because Lake Superior does freeze over. 
And so you, you mm-hmm. have the land over in Canada and Minnesota that's a little closer than Michigan where they can make their way back and forth. So uh, to balance out like the flora and fauna and make sure that they have a good ecosystem, it's really important to the National Park Service to make sure that their, their wolf and moose populations are well balanced. Okay. That all makes a lot of sense. The one other thing I would just add related to uh, going to this national park is there's two things you have to remember. Uh, one is just the fact that it is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So with that, it you are kind of making a commitment to go to this park. So plan on about four nights on the island and keep uh, two extra days for just the transport to and from land. So getting there uh, to take a ferry or a seaplane or a private boat, you're talking about three to six hours commute one way. Okay. Wow. And bring your Dramamine? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I can tell you that from experience. Um, a choppy day on the lake can be fun when, when you're a kid until it gets to be a little too much on the back end of the boat. <laughs> until it's not fun anymore. Exactly. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, but okay. I'd love to talk a little bit about the things to do outside of um I Royal. There's a few other regions around mm-hmm. the Keweenaw. If you're if you're doing a big trip and you want to check out a few more things, or if they're uh if I Royal's not quite your cup of tea and you want to see what else there is to explore in the park, or excuse me, in the Keweenaw Peninsula. Yeah, cool. Let's do it. Okay. So the first region I'll talk about um, is around Houghton, Michigan. So if you take a look at my map, it's going to be uh, where the southern pins are. You'll see Houghton, Hancock, and there's like a little bridge going through. Um, Side note, Jackie, uh, I know you and I were talking just a minute ago about your uh, Florida podcast earlier. And Mm -hmm. one thing I want to point out while you're looking at the map is the fact that this is Highway 41. So Highway 41 actually goes all the way down to Florida. This is this is a direct connection, if you will, between <laughs> this podcast and your previous one. Oh, wow. If you really want a long road trip, you <laughs> can technically do this. Oh my gosh. Oh, I know people who are going to be up for that. Like now this is going to become a, a quest is to go all the way to the top. And I'm looking at the very, very, very tip of Highway 41, which starts in Copper Harbor. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then you can go all the way down to Florida. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. (laughs) So, okay. Well, yeah. Once you get to this part, um, let's just talk about Houghton and the surrounding area. So local food, um, you have to do some of the local things. And one of them is Sumi Bakery. So it's S-U-O-M-I, the Finnish word, just meaning Finland. Um, It's a very local place. Uh, this is where you're going to want to get your panagaku, which is like a custard pancake, nisu, which is like a slightly sweet bread, and then pasties, which um, originated as a Cornish like hand pie, but the Finns took it over in this region to make their own variety as far as the stuffing's concerned. So if you think of like a oversized empanada, that's kind of what you're dealing with. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in addition to that, you've got uh, the Q&A Brewing Company, which is fantastic. This is the local hangout, both for those who grew up in the Q&A and then those who are going to Michigan Tech, too. So it is just a lovely place to uh, get a beer for super cheap, grab a pizza from next door at one of the pizza shops, and just get to know the locals. Mm. And one of the things I love about Michigan in this region is people are more than happy to talk. 
So if you want to hit someone up for conversation and just get a better sense of the area or where you should travel to in that day, Mm -hmm. they will tell you. They are not going to be shy about giving you tips on where to go. Yay. So if you're on a solo trip, you can go there to make friends. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's perfect. And it's right next to the bakery too. I'm seeing on the map. So this is yum. Okay. That's one of my favorite things to do, honestly, is is to taste culture through beer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, eventually we'll have to talk about Minnesota then because I could give you a a good taste of that as well. Mm. Mm. So for this region uh, in in Houghton area, there's a few different things that you can do. So from that history perspective, there's the Quincy Mine and Quincy uh, Smelting Works Tour, which is an underground mine tour. Uh, If you Mm want to understand like the history of this region, this is an awesome tour to do. I've done it like three or four times throughout my years. And it's always a fascinating thing just to understand more of the culture. And what it'll also do is um, everywhere you look in the QA, whether you're downtown in Houghton or you're off in the woods, you're surrounded by different like ruins from the mining industry. And so one of the things by going to the Quincy Mine Tour is getting a sense of why this is here, how it formed, and what are the the surrounding features that you're seeing on a daily basis. Uh, the The one thing I'll say there is just it is cold even in July. So it's about 43 degrees underground in the mine. So just plan on bringing some a warmer gear to have with you. This is so cool. Okay. I love this. Is this on the, how on the, sorry, I'm going to call it Houghton, even though you're calling it Houghton on the Houghton side or on the other side. So this is on the Hancock side. Hancock side. Okay. Um, all right. I'm like following on the map here and like looking at all the pictures as we, Oh, I see it. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Got it. And there might be a few things I haven't pinned yet, but I'll be sure to do that after this. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the historical side. Then let's talk Mm. about silent sports. So this is your cross-country skiing, your snowshoeing, your mountain biking, your hiking, and your Mm. dog-friendly areas. So for me growing up in the Keweenaw, I was very, very lucky because my dad was a super outdoorsy person. He got involved with ski patrol, mountain bike patrol, search and rescue. And so I got dragged along on a lot of hikes and a lot of different trips. And one of the best areas, like right around the Hoden region, is called Mastojito and Turning Rapids Trail. And so Mastojito literally just means cross-country ski and finish. Okay, about, cool. Yeah, 30 miles of trail uh, mm. and it's beautiful scenery, a lot of hilly regions. Um, this is kind of like as far as summer, winter, it's, it's a multi-seasonal area. There's also uh, the University of Michigan Technological University has uh, tech trails, which is 44 miles of trails. Wow. Not to mention a little bit of disc golf on the side too. And that's one of the awesome things about this university is it's so incorporated to the community. Like we didn't have community centers. We just had the university property and facilities to use. So it's, it's so integral to the experience that you'll have there. And I know Sometimes if people travel to a region, they're like, oh, this is a university. Like, I don't have anything there Mm. that I would normally go to go see. But they actually facilitate stuff for the general population too. So they have rentals and whatnot available as well. Oh, that's so great. So you're you're welcome to come to this university, actually. Yeah. Okay. Usually it's like you see the university and it's like, okay, I can't park anywhere because I don't have a pass. Like I'm not, I'm not welcome there. You know, like stay out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, this is totally different than that. Like the university is as much a part of downtown as anything. And um, like, 
the the facilities and the trails well and another thing to point out uh it's not in my list as far as the main places to go but i'll just do it as a side note uh the university owns a ski hill on the hancock side so that's open for public use and if anyone listening to the show is interested in an engineering school to go to that's very outdoorsy um the ski pass is included in your tuition so you (laughs) have the opportunity to go skiing every day of the year i'm just saying that's so cool. And oh, this is, and- I, I just, I was just going to say, I just love how much of a like four season, basically this, this region is like, there's things to do no matter what time of year. So it's like almost always a good time to go there. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cool. And the, the one thing I should note, just for those who aren't familiar to this region, um, as you see, we're surrounded by Lake Superior. And with that, we get lake effect snow. So- <laughs> What that really translates to is an average of about 220 to 250 inches a year. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of snow. That's <laughs> so like, what I, yeah, that's like Tahoe. Like that's what I was used to in, in Tahoe. That's what Truckee yeah. gets, I think, is 200 inches a year. So that's similar to Tahoe, if you guys know. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like the, the fresh powder that you get is just incredible. So cross-country skiing in this region growing up was just fantastic. Mm. Um, and with that, speaking of tech, one of the things tech does every year is a winter carnival, which I believe is between February and March, where um, in order to be okay with just the ridiculous amount of snow and get the, all these students excited, they have a, um, a statue building competition uh, and these snow statues are about like 30 feet high and wow. there's a thousand uh, work hours that are put into each of these and they're engineering students. So it's fun as mm-hmm. like you're driving around and you see like, like there's, there's actual like structural like scaffolding and everything that they're using to build these like, like two story statues and yeah. uh, different components. So it's, it's fascinating to watch as they're building them. And then afterwards, when you see their finished product, like they're, they're just a joy to, to take a look at and walk around campus with a hot cocoa and mm-hmm. get a sense of what everyone built. Yeah. Cool. I love it. So in addition to that, just to kind of wrap up this region, a few recommendations as far as where to stay. Um, lodging wise, there's a new place called The Vault, which is uh, what used to be the Houghton National Bank built in 1887, which has just recently been changed into this new hotel, which I'm super excited to see this type of um, complex coming downtown because I think they do a good job of kind of like balancing out the history, but then also getting a sense of like, um, new innovative design. So if, if anyone's into that side of things, uh, it's a great place to stay too. And then the one other piece is just as far as, uh, bringing gear. Cause if you're flying in, you certainly need gear, uh, while you're on this visit. Downwind sports is the go-to place in Houghton when it comes to getting your skis, your kayaks, anything that you might need for those trips. So they, they have been there as long as I have, and they know their stuff and they know their region. So whether it's gear or you need recommendations for where to go around the area, they can help you out. That's wonderful. So if you don't have, I mean, you can you rent like sleeping bags and tents and things too? Yeah. And depending on the company, so Michigan Tech does some uh, tent rentals and whatnot too. And Downwind does as well. Downwind's a slightly smaller operation. So depending on the season, 
they may or may not have as much in stock. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you some of the reasons why in a second with our next region. (laughs) Okay. I have one question because I see a spot that you marked that you haven't mentioned and it intrigues me because it's a hockey rink. (gasps) Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the D stadium, is that the one you're looking at? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the D stadium is one of, well, okay. So a few things there, the D stadium is a really unique little piece of history within the region. Um, Atlas Obscura actually covered it, which I just thought was adorable with their Mm. description of it, but it's the first professional hockey um, spot within the United States. And it got started back in 1903 Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you don't necessarily think of this region of Michigan or, uh, of the Midwest as like a hockey town, but hockey is what the locals live and breathe here. Um, (laughs) It's, it was one of my first sports just coming into the area, but like everyone is interested in it. And, um, both for girls hockey and boys hockey, uh, the D is a standard place that you go, whether you're skating by yourself or you're doing pickup hockey as well. Oh, that's so fun. I'm I'm very much intrigued by this region. I'm like super excited about all of the adventure that you can have there. <laughs> and we're not even, we're like just getting started. Okay. <laughs> well, and there, like you said, there's so much to cover. So yeah, point anything out that I've pinned that I might not uh, uh, talk about immediately because, oh man, there's just too much. And that's one thing yeah. I'll just say to anyone listening who lives in this region or knows it, I will not hit everything, but I'm just trying to do a good job of getting a few of the sweet spots. But the beautiful thing is that you can make this your own serendipitous journey. So go ahead. That is my, that's like the name of the game, honestly, (laughs) is like hear us and then go find your own, you know, adventure and make it yours and do the things that are going to speak to you and leave space for magic. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so with that, are you good if we move kind of to the next region? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Where are we going? (laughs) So with that, uh, if you're looking at the map, we're not going to go straight up 41. We're actually going to take 26. So 26 is going to take you east uh, after you cross the bridge uh, over to Dollar Bay and uh, gradually up um, the QAnon. And the first place that we're going to hit I mentioned earlier um, some of the remnants of the mining industry, and this is one of them. It is the Quincy Mill and Quincy Dredge. Mm-hmm. So you'll see that around uh, Quincy Mill and Mason. Uh, and if you click on that pin, you'll you'll see a picture of the dredge. Yeah, I can see. So this is one of the fascinating sites around the area as far as um, uh, old mining industry goes. Uh, there's a parking lot here where you can go uh, park your car, go explore around the region. Um, I I will not say whether or not this is an appropriate structure to climb or not, whether <laughs> I have done it myself several times. Huh? But I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> what what this weird looking machine is uh, for for a dredge is this uh, section of the lake used to have major shipping both for the mining industry and for um, uh, lumber industry as well. So they would need to clear out the bottom of the lake uh, in order to be able to get bigger ships through. 
And uh, this is uh, one of two vessels that got left. I think the other one is actually sunk further in the lake. So if you're still scuba diving, you still have that to get to. Mm -hmm. But for those of us who like staying on drier land, uh, this is where you go. Wow. This is crazy. There's so much graffiti on this. (laughs) There's so much art. And then there's like winter when it's just, it's just like looks frozen, like half sunk and frozen. Yeah. Crazy. Exactly. And it is when you go inside of it is because it's at that site, slight slant. (laughs) Yeah. Very disorienting experience where you're like, whoa, what is my equilibrium? It's like one of those fun houses or something with like the slanted floor. (laughs) Okay. Enter at your own risk, people. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So moving on from there, the next place we'll go to, uh, still going up 26, is one of the the little hikes that I will mention. There are several in this region, but I think this is just one of the standard ones of if you're going to go here, get check this off your list because it's absolutely gorgeous. And that's Hungarian Falls. So Hungarian Falls is up near Hubble. Um, okay. It'll be one of those pins that you see there. So it's about... 10 acres. Uh, and it's a great example of, um, one of the, uh, geological features of the Kiwanoff fault, which is, um, about a billion years old, <laughs> oh if gosh. you will. Yeah. yeah. If, if you like geology at all, this area is pretty, pretty heavy in the nerdy side too, but, um, <laughs> there's hiking here. You can explore around the waterfall itself. You can camp overnight. Um, it's a good stop on your way farther north, but still gives you a chance to kind of stretch your legs and get a little adventure out. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, so, I see it. Hungarian Falls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's actually marked on your little map, but oh, oh that's so pretty. Okay. All right. So from Hungarian Falls, um, mm-hmm. what I would recommend doing from there is scooting up the rest of 26 to head to Calumet. So you could do a lot of what I'm talking about either in a single day trip, or you could actually pace it out to like spend a night in each of these regions. Uh, but Calumet is a fascinating historical area within the q Um, it is actually the town of Calumet is literally within the q national historical park. So that's why you'll oh, yeah. see on the Google map that it's very green inside because it's all a historical district. Okay, cool. So with this historical district, uh, once again, very involved with the mining industry, and you can experience that in a few different ways. One from a lodging standpoint is the Loria Manor Inn, which was built in 1906. So if you want some super cool old school mansion experience and kind of get in a sense of what the copper boom was like, that is a fantastic place to go. Um, I I went there for my honeymoon with my husband and then also... <laughs> I married into a pretty big family. He is the oldest of 13. <gasps> so <laughs> with that, um, we actually, uh, his his aunt was the caretaker of this place for a while. And we got to have Thanksgiving in the building at one point. And so uh, the introvert that I am, it was perfect because there was pretty much a room for everyone. Oh man, funny, yeah. But the exploration within it is awesome too. And there's a lot of original features like um, uh, shark skin wallpaper and whatnot. So the the current uh, guides of the house can walk you through it and give you background to there as well. What did you say it was called? 
Lorium, L-A-U-R-I-U-M, and then Manor N. Okay. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, we might need to mark that one because I can't can't find it. Oh, go a little to the east where Lorium is. So it's just outside of Calumet proper. Oh, okay. Yep, Lorium. I see it's like another, like a neighborhood almost. Yep, exactly. Okay, cool. So as far as lodging goes, that's a great place just to kind of get a little bit of that experience. Um, If you want a little bit more of the history side of things, there is certainly the Calumet Theater, um, which is, it's kind of bizarre in this region because you're like, this is the middle of nowhere. But they used to have uh, some really well-known actors during the time, like uh, uh, Lillian Russell, John Philip Sousa, Sarah Bernhardt. Uh, would come perform at this theater back during the mining days. And Mm -hmm. so you can get tours of the Calumet Theater and there's some really cool um, fourth story like balconies where the people for for the nosebleed section, it's a precarious experience to say the least when you're (laughs) up that high. (laughs) Wow, okay. So cool. This is like a treat. A treat for the mind and like you also have the adventure element. So... I love it. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, this region also has a lot of really good uh, silent sport activity too. So we talked about Hungarian Falls being able to get some hiking in. There's also Swede Town, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to be on the western side of those pins. If mm-hmm. I remember right. Yep. So once again, cross country skiing. <laughs> this area is awesome for it. It's uh, 1,900 acres, so about 35 uh, kilometers of cross country skiing. Oh and, my gosh, and, I love it! Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they have some regions that have um, lighting at night too, so it's it's good for all day experiences and uh, fat tire biking as well. They have about 10 miles of trails there. And that's one thing not necessarily called out in all my um, uh, pins, but if you just Google mountain biking in the Keweenaw, there is a ton of it that's appeared not only when I lived there, but since then, it is just a huge industry that's growing in this area. That's great because it looks like they're they're purposefully building the trails for it. Yeah. So, wow. Swedetown bike trails. There's a whole map on here. It's really cool. Okay. Wow. Fun, fun. Okay. So after you get your your day's worth of cross-country skiing in, uh, my recommendation is to go to Shoots Saloon. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So Shoots is over by the Calumet Theater. And um, you'll notice like there's a lot of older buildings in the area, but Shoots kind of stands out both for its its red siding. And then when you go inside and you see like this stained glass uh, bar that they have and just like all the original like um, uh, decoration inside and all the woodwork it literally feels like you are going back in time so this is definitely my recommendation for a place to go at the end of the day to like not only get a little bit of that historical experience but also you know get a good beverage as well Mm -hmm. wow it's so cool inside and it's like this tiny narrow building just standing by itself it's kind of funny (laughs) and i didn't even know about this growing up i literally was with my husband uh we had a wedding we went to and we're walking down the street and we're like huh we've never been in here before and walked in and we're like how have we never heard of this place Mm. 
Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, maybe when you were nine, they weren't taking you to the bar. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the one other thing here, uh, just kind of pivot as far as like sports and uh, winter's concern is that uh, Calumet is the starting point for a uh, sled dog race called the oh. Copper Dog 150. So okay. this started back in 2009. Uh, it starts in Calumet, goes up to Copper Harbor, and then to Eagle Harbor, Michigan as well. So it's a three-day dog sled excursion that starts from downtown Calumet. And it is one of my favorite things as it pertains to the Kiwana, just the the fact that we, we can get all these different mushers together, like super professional mushers who are uh, competing in this race but then also really uh, housing and facilitating it in a way that gets the local community very involved, both from uh, running the, the race itself to cheering on the mushers. Like the, the night of the start is a super fun experience just because everyone is dressed in their snowsuits, downtown Calumet. <laughs> um, all the dogs are ready to go and you are just cheering them on as everyone gets started. And like, everyone's just happy at that mm, point. I love it's that. It's so fun. Such a fun time. And so you called that the, what is it called? The copper? The copper dog 150. Copper dog 150. When does that happen? Is it like the that, same time every year? That is in March. And I believe okay. they have that scheduled for like the next four or five years. If you take a look. At oh, okay. Yeah, probably. Okay. I think this demands a winter and a summer trip actually. <laughs> I would agree. And uh, <laughs> fall's not too bad either because we have a ton of maple trees. And so oh the gosh. drive up north is just remarkable to say the least. Okay. It's winning. It's winning right now. <laughs> I love this. I want to go. I love it. Well, I'm like so happy that you're taking us here. Thank you. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so I've got one more region uh, to to just talk about. And that's if you go from Calumet and you get back on 41, uh, and you start heading north, north, and more north, um, you'll come to some really fascinating one drives because of just the, the, this road has so few people on it that it just is miraculous to drive on. It's a smooth mm-hmm. experience. It has curves. It, it, it's one of those things where like, if, um, um, you, you think of like a, a car commercial or ad, you're like, this looks like something that would end up in a car ad as far as just that smooth mm. drive that someone ex- would experience in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. From there, what we're going to do is kind of meander our way up towards Copper Harbor, but we have a few stops along the way to get there. Okay. And the first one is going to be Cliff Drive. So Cliff Drive on my map yeah, is going to be just south of the town of Phoenix. And um, Cliff Drive proper is that whole road um, that splits off from 41 starting on Ami. Ah. And this region uh, has some hiking, but what it's really known for is the climbing. So, oh man, just uh, add all the sports. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And like I said, if you're, if you are a college student in engineering, this is a great place because you've got some awesome routes, just uh, not that far North from you. Um, Mm -hmm. When I double checked the stats on this cliff drive region has about 66 documented routes currently. Okay. So 
you can find something new just about any time you go up there. Wow. Not to mention the view from the top is fantastic because as soon as you get up that fault ridge, um, you see Lake Superior on both sides. So not too shabby. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, From there, let me take a really quick look at my map because I have a few areas I just want to mention. The first one. Yeah. Oh, this is the problem, Jackie. There's so much. Um, (laughs) I am going to filter it down to maybe the, the first few things that I think on this way up that you can explore. Obviously there's a few more pins on this map, so definitely poke around there. But, um, this is the one thing any local will ask you, uh, if you go up to Copper Harbor and the question they will ask you is, did you stop at the jam pot? (laughs) Okay. What's the jam pot? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the jam pot is a uh, literally a jam store, uh, and it's it's on the map, uh, mm-hmm. kind of near um, the Monk Trails. And what this is is a jam store and a, a bakery run by the monks at the Holy Transfiguration mm-hmm. Seat of the Society of Saint John. So, getting beyond that m- mouthful, um, <sighs> this this seat. <laughs> is super awesome both from an architectural standpoint like when you are driving along the lake you see this on the shore in the distance and you're like what movie did I just walk into (laughs) yeah but um the the skeet itself is gorgeous um and I'll get into that in a little bit but the the big thing that draws people here is the jam and this is actually how the monks fund all their different um activities and support themselves is the jam pot uh, the thing the jam pot is mostly known for is their thimbleberry jam. Okay. Have you had thimbleberries before? I do not believe so. Okay. So thimbleberries kind of look like raspberries, but they're fuzzier and they're more tart with a okay. bit more seeds. And um, it's kind of a te- temperamental plant and it only grows in certain regions of the United States. And this is one area that it thrives. So making jam out of it is a lucrative business for them to the point <laughs> of like, they're charging like 14 bucks for, for a jar of jam. Wow. Yeah. And people of, pay it. Yeah. yeah. People <laughs> pay it. It sells out. Um, they have other varieties and flavors too, which are excellent, of course, but that that is their main go-to. Um, they also sell... Uh, different breads or whatnot. I will warn you that um, the rum cake does have rum in it. So <laughs> if you are driving, maybe wait on that one a little bit. That's a you good know? tip. <laughs> yeah, the road doesn't need to be any more curvy than it starts out mm-hmm. being. <laughs> but um, the monks are super friendly. Um, if you have questions about uh, their facility or the jam pot, they are more than happy to answer your questions. They do tours with kids and whatnot. And it's it's just a lovely experience. Amazing. They all, yeah. They also have um, a trail of their own and then some gardens too that visitors are allowed to visit as well. Okay. So that's a nice, like a must-do stop on the way up north. Yes, exactly. Get your refreshments, um, get, get a little something to snack on for your next hike. Love it. Uh, cool. the, there's two other things. Obviously, there's a lot of hiking that you can do in this region, but um, I want to point out one specific one. And this is a little farther north, but it's called Estevant Pines. Yep, I see it. So Estevant Pines. 
I had no idea this was here when <laughs> I grew up in this region. Okay. Uh, but it is now my absolute favorite hike to go to. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, Espont Pines is an old growth forest. So the forest in this region, uh, it's about 570 acres and the pine trees here are 300 to 500 years old, which when you get into this forest, there's so much over like brush and cover up top that like, even if it's a sunny day out, you feel like you're in a whole different world as you're like traveling through these trees and they're huge root systems that are almost acting as like stairs as you are hiking up and down the different trailheads. Mm. It's so, so pretty. I'm just looking at the pictures. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it is gorgeous and a fun place to just not only explore, but just really lose yourself in the experience and really be at peace with where you're at. and. For pine trees, I think that's one thing to keep in mind is like, you know, you'll you'll get some coniferous trees that get pretty big, but pines, you don't really see at this substantial size. So once you take that into consideration for what you're looking at, uh, it really like changes the scope and the perspective of an area within our country that has been not touched by all, all the different mm. things that we've done as far as... Um, industrial or, or, um, you know, just making different facilities and, uh, building houses and whatnot. This region's really been untouched. Those are the best ones. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at a a sign that says fallen giant trail. This unmaintained trail crosses a swamp and a river recommended only for experienced hikers with proper gear. So bring your gear, (laughs) gaiters and boots, (laughs) maybe some poles. Yeah. And that is one thing I love about Michigan is they never tell you no. They (laughs) tell you, you know, you might want to have some experience in the gear, Mm -hmm. but you can still do it. I love that. It's kind of like no bad weather, just bad gear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I'm going to uh, wrap up the hikes there with that one. But the one other thing I'll say, because obviously we're on a lake um, and this area of Copper Harbor is a really good place to do this is there is a recently discovered rock uh, that you need to go at night and hunt for. And this rock is what? called Uperlite. What? What? <laughs> okay, do tell. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a link to this. But Uperlite, so let, let me tell you about the name first of all. Um, Uper is the term that is used to describe people from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So Mm -hmm. that's Y-O-O-P-R-E-R. And so it's the word Uper with light added to the end of it. So like Mm -hmm. a mineral being a light. Right. Uh, That link I just shared with you will show you some pictures of what these rocks look like. No way. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What? You guys. This is so cool. I I want one of these. (laughs) Wait, can you take it though? Or do you have to leave it? Uh, That is a good question. The last time I was up there, you were still able to take it. This article that I sent you for it um, is from uh, the Michigan.org website. So they will have the final details there as far as um, what you are and aren't allowed to take related to the size of the Uberlite. 
Oh my gosh. This, these are <laughs> glow in the dark. <laughs> like, it's like when you look at a normal rock that has cool spots and lines through it, this rock, the lines and spots glow. Mm-hmm. What? This is wild. Oh my gosh. So cool. Okay. You need, you need a, a glow stick or um, a UV light? Yeah. Yeah. You need a UV, UV light. light. Mm-hmm. You need a UV exactly. light to find it. This is so rad. Okay. So like, think of it like build, build a bonfire on, on the beach and our beaches are rocky. They're not sand beaches. So they're all going to look like this as far as these stones are concerned. But yeah, just build a bonfire, go explore down the beach with your friends, um, have a, a cocoa afterwards and look at all the uperlite that you've been able to find. Dude, this is so cool. It does say, um, bring a bag. You need something to keep your uperlites. So like they're... They're encouraged. It's, it's like agate hunting, probably. Like they, yeah. you can just go and collect them. Um, I love this tip right here. So I'm going to read it out loud. Glow sticks. The reason you bring them is because it's easy to get disoriented, like on the beach in the dark, which that is so yeah. true. So, like, you can leave them like where you entered the beach and make sure, sure you get back to your car. That is so, so smart. <laughs> like, want to share that tip out loud because that way you don't get lost. Oh my gosh. This is I so. Probably- cool needed that tip a few years ago. I've never <laughs> thought of doing that before, but that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Oh man. <laughs> One time I went running on a beach in Baja and I like came out of the dunes where everything looked the same and I didn't even think about it. And I just started running down the beach. And when I came back, I got like that panic feeling because I was like, oh no, I have no idea. Like everything looked exactly the same. I could not tell where the trail was. <laughs> I had like that panic there's like this special feeling you get when you lose yourself. So, but luckily, um, a couple other people showed up, so I was saved. But, but yeah, okay, glow sticks. Let's not get lost on the beaches while you're searching for these freaking magic rocks. Oh my gosh, what a fun tip! Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it is awesome. And just to give you a sense of how new this is, because like agate hunting, something that's been around for for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Uperlite was only discovered in 2017. That's wild. What? It's because you have to have a UV light. I mean, mm-hmm. man, well, it's super fun. Speaking of which, if, if you are someone who likes uh, rocks and things that glow in the dark, Michigan Tech actually has a phenomenal mineral museum with different rooms with like UV lighting and everything. So you can see a bunch of different um, specimens of rocks and uberlite that glow in the dark as well. Wow. Okay. So if you can't get up to the beach, you can see them at the yep. university. Well, that's nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> Within your air conditioned convenience. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This sounds so, like a fun adventure though. Okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely is. Um, the one other thing within that, that region up there, kind of near Esteban Pines, um, just a little side note is um, you can find a plaque uh, for the Kiwana rocket range, which was an active, uh, NASA launching point back in 1964 and 71. What? There's really nothing out there that tells you this thing is there until you get there and you just see a plaque and you're like, Oh, (laughs) they used to launch rockets from here and no one's talking about this. (laughs) No one said a word, but now you know. So these are the types of things that you can just discover on the way, like whether 
whether you're on the beach or hiking in the trails, like there's always something around the corner. That's just going to be a little fun fact. Wow. Okay. And that's why you leave room for serendipity. Like you said. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so with that, the, just the last few places to mention, um, from a lodging standpoint in this region, going back to a little bit of the history is the, the Kiwana mountain lodge. So the Kiwana mountain lodge is the most established facility in this area. So that's a big reason why I recommend it. Uh, it's kind of South of Copper Harbor, just off of 41. Mm-hmm. And this was built back in 1934 by the civilian conservation corps. And besides like the mining ruins that you've seen in the area, you'll also see a lot of the structures that they've built as well, especially in the regions that are historic parks and whatnot. But uh, this uh, mountain lodge, you know, it, it kind of has that classic look for a mountain lodge where you, mm-hmm. you've got the, the timber structure um, and a lot of like the cabin facilities and just, just things that kind of take you back to a different era. But they've really kind of advanced it, too, as far as what they offer. Uh, if you look at their pictures, they obviously have a golf course, but they're also an outfitter. So they can help you with skijoring, oh. cross-country skiing. Wait, uh, wait, we have to tell them what skijoring is because oh. I don't think that they know. I, I mean, we have this in Montana, but let's enlighten our people real quick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so sk- skijoring is a wonderful sport where you take cross-country skis uh, and then tie yourself to a dog, preferably a husky or something that likes to pull. And then you fly across the snow, uh, both with with exercising your dog at the same time as you are getting turbocharged down the slopes. Um, you can you can sign up for this and do this. Like they will provide you the dog. <laughs> Is that right? I have seen it done there in the past. I'm not sure today if they're still providing dogs okay. or not. But that is uh, something that honestly, I'm actually working on with my dog right now to, to get her to the point that yeah. we can do drawing on a regular basis. That is so cool. Okay. I love that because I actually have not seen it with cross-country skis and a dog. But in, in Montana, we have, we have it where you just put on your regular skis and you, you get pulled by a horse, like over a... <laughs> over a I know, I know, I know. It's so freaking cool though. Like I I actually haven't done it. I would do it. Um, I totally would. But you get pulled around like a corral where they set up uh, like jumps and gates and stuff. And you, the horse runs around the inside and pulls you like around the outside and you have to like go through the gates and over the... I think it sounds so fun. And it looks so much fun, but you definitely need to know what you're doing to do it. And then I've also seen it in Alaska. We did it with uh, like bike drawing with um, a fat bike and a sled dog because Alaska. But Um, that is amazing. (laughs) We need to talk at some point about the boundary waters because I've done something similar out there as well. (laughs) The boundary waters is an entire other... Subject. I really want to do that one day, and that's that's northern northern Minnesota into Canada. Yeah. Oh man. Uh huh. That is bucket list it. material. Yeah. Yes. yes. I I have tips for you there too, and okay. Google Maps oh, go with it. What? <laughs> Shoot. Maybe we should do another one. Hey, I'm <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we need to just stay on for another hour. My goodness. <laughs> 
Okay. Oh. Um, I, I interrupted you with the ski drawing because we had to tell everybody about that amazing thing. So we're still at the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge and I see mountain bike trails, hiking trails, disc golf. All the things. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, depending on who you're traveling with, this can be fun too, because of the fact that if you want to go off and do your own thing, there's a ton of single track mountain biking in this area as well. So you could go off, do that, leave people back <laughs> at the cabin to do the things they want to do. It's just everyone's dream. I just um, came across a picture. The, the sign just says fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Sorry, I laughed. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> well, that's what I love about Youpers. They are very straightforward. They will tell you exactly what they're thinking and they will make sure you understand when you are supposed to be having fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, since we kind of, there. So yeah, awesome. yeah, exactly. So since we've kind of talked on the outfitter side, the one other company that I will absolutely recommend mm-hmm. is the Kiwana Adventure Company. So they are both an outfitter and they do tours as well. And they're based up in Copper Harbor. And I just love their mission statement. So their mission statement is to be the hub for human-powered recreation in Keweenaw County by providing essential goods and services that connect people with awe and respect for the Keweenaw Peninsula, ultimately contributing to the region's well-being through education, stewardship, conservation, and responsible tourism. Love. Mm-hmm. And I, that just like summarizes the things about this area for me that I think are remarkable. It's like you, you see all the trails, you, you see all these independent organizations, both from for-profit and nonprofit who understand that they just have a fantastic thing in place and they want to make sure that this survives for generations. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the game. Absolutely. And my, my, uh, follow up the last item I will mention just to kind of get us back to the winter is we do have a decent ski hill in the area called Mount Bohemia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So being, being in the Midwest, um, there is not many hilly places to say the least yeah. within, within this area of the country. But the thing about Mount Bohemia, um, uh, a little bit of backstory here because we get so much snow, like you mentioned, like Tahoe and whatnot, and, and the, the amount of snow you guys get versus mm-hmm. the amount of snow we do, we've got the powder and we do have some regions here that have fantastic places for skiing. So Mount Bohemia opened, oh man, back when I was about 12 years old and my dad actually helped as the uh, on-staff ski patroller to establish this hill. And I, I grew up for, for years and years waking up at four in the morning to, to make the hour drive up to Mount Bohemia with my dad so that he could open up the hill for the day. And kind of similarly to like, you know, growing up as in the gateway to a national park, I didn't realize how awesome it was to have this very nice ski hill where I got to go uh, snowcat skiing for like 12 oh. different runs. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. It's like this backyard thing that we could do. Um, Bohemia has expanded a lot since I was last there, but currently they have about 105 total runs and um, 12 of those are going to be snowcat. The rest of them are going to be groomed, but they're really doing a fantastic job up there as far as um, 
they they label it like out west skiing, but being able to stay in the Midwest region. So wow, awesome cool. to go to. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I've never more wanted to go to Michigan. So intriguing. Well, and this Keweenaw Adventure Company looks so fun. I've just been like browsing through their photos and they, they just don't look like they're having any fun at all. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you would never guess. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. This is super cool. I mean, you need days, like days in all of the places here to do all of the things. Yep. Exactly. You, you do need the time. And it's the nice thing about this region is that you can kind of pick and choose. Like I said, like from Houghton to Copper Harbor going on 41 is about a 45 minute drive. Okay. (laughs) If if you really want to like focus on specific areas and be able to do specific activities, whether it's like eight mile hikes or, or taking mine tours or uh, kayaking in places like Bay degree on like, uh, uh, glassy still water, like all these options are available to you. It's just figuring out what what do you want to do for that day? What's mm-hmm. the adventure that you want to have? Mm-hmm. And there's something for absolutely everybody here. All the sports, all the geology, all the history, like all the fun. Exactly. I love it. This is so cool. Um, and now we have been to the U.S. part of the UP. <laughs> <laughs> You got it. Oh, cool. Okay. Anything else that we need to add that we need to that we need to make sure we put in here? I I think, well, here's here's the one thing I couldn't pin, but this kind of goes along with the idea of making friends with Ubers. Um <laughs> So this is not popular in this region from a communal standpoint, but it's become popular in in Minnesota and a few other places. Um, are you familiar with the the concept of a sauna? Yeah. <laughs> so so the reason I bring it up, um, saunas are are the 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 sweat boxes or sweat lodge that the the Finnish community is really big into, and. The houses in this region, half the houses have saunas built into them because of the fact that like these were Finnish people who lived here and grew up in this in this area. Um, I grew up doing saunas that would go on average like 195 to 200 degrees. Mm-hmm. And so wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the type of stuff where you do want to jump into the ice water after you <laughs> after you've jumped into uh the sauna for 15 minutes or so. But I think that's the one thing that isn't something that you can pin easily on the map. But if you can make friends with like a local uh community or family and actually get to experience that aspect of what Keweenaw culture is like, uh that would kind of be the icing on the cake as far as a trip like this. That sounds amazing. I am such a fan of... I am such a fan of the sauna. I want one at my house. Like I, I really want one over a hot tub because they're, they're yeah. totally different. Um, but the last time I was in Europe, we ended up, I ended up in a lot of saunas just kind of randomly. And I'm so... I just love them. They feel so good. And that sounds like an icing on the cake. It really does. Absolutely is. 
but yeah, that's, that's what I have. Like that is the QAnon Peninsula in a nutshell. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You are an expert. It is so cool to have gotten this tour from you. Um, especially it's, it's obvious how much you love this area. So, ah, uh, um, I just appreciate that you kind of brought us in and introduce a new place, at least new to me. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, at the beginning of this, I was like, yeah, maybe we'll go like half an hour, <laughs> like over an hour later. This has just been really good though. I'm sure everybody's enjoyed it. So um, yeah, thank you so much. I'm going to make sure we put these links, uh, especially to the Uber lights and to the Google map, uh, the Keweenaw adventures. Um, that's what you called it, right? I think. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so that you guys listening can uh, follow along and create your own road trip out of this. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Tess. I really appreciate it. And we may just have to do that Bwaka. I mean, that's very much on my radar, the Boundary Waters. So I'm in. I love yeah. it. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Jackie. All right. I sincerely hope that you guys enjoyed going on that adventure with us. I had so much fun and I am so incredibly intrigued by the Keweenaw Peninsula. Um, Again, you can find links to the Google map and some of the things that we mentioned in the show notes of this episode, 148. And don't forget to sign up for emails if you want to learn more about group adventures that are picking back up this year. Whoop, whoop. Um, Thank you so much for being here and tuning in today and for encouraging me as we have pivoted this show to Backyard Adventures during a rough time. So here's to brighter days ahead. And um, who knows, maybe the next time you hear from me, it'll be from the Sea of Cortez. Stay well, travel safe out there. Catch you guys next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.